Alrighty, welcome back to Norwood Noise, episode 18. And this, folks, is officially March. Yes, sure, we had our first episode last week on March 1st, but I was without my colleague. I was all alone, running solo, uh, and it was absolutely not the same. So definitely be good to get back in the saddle here with Graham this week. Um, myself, Evan Shubble, of course, alongside Graham Griffith here, Tuesday, March 8th. And we are in the thick of it. Conference tournaments have begun. And uh, we had a wild final weekend of the regular season. Um, a couple big headlines, so we'll get that out there. And then we'll get that out of the way so we can get straight into brackets, both conference tournaments, and looking forward to the NCAAs and selection show this upcoming Sunday. Graham, I'll let you take it away. How are you, sir? Well, I'm great. Feeling a lot better. Um, felt bad to abandon you in March. <laughs> um, but I felt it was needed because the rest of March and April... Uh, I'll need myself at full capacity. So, a quick little recharge, you know, switch out the batteries, and I'm all set uh, to dive right into conference tournament, bowl talk, and plan out the rest of March with you. So, whenever yeah, you're ready, let's dive right into it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As I always say, we sleep in May, right? So, yeah, let's, uh, let's get after it. Of course. Alrighty. Um, so, first of all, we gotta, before we can get into conference tournaments, we have to talk about probably the story not probably the the story of the weekend um coach k mike shevsky coaching his final game at cameron run door final game at home for duke against his arch rival in north carolina has a hour-long pre-game ceremony where he is you know shaking hands with former players they had like 90 something former players nearly 50 percent of his former players were there He's shaking hands with all of his former players, all of that good stuff. Um, and then they also had planned a post-game speech from him to kind of wrap up his time at Cameron Indoor. This was supposed to be a time of celebration. This was supposed to be a time of reflection and memory. But the thing you forget about this whole situation is you got to play a basketball game somewhere in there. And during that basketball game, I'm sure many of you saw it that are listening, North Carolina goes out and spoils the party, winning over their arch rival Duke, beating Duke by a kind of lopsided margin, um, winning 94-81 in Cameron Indoor. Um, this is a subpar North Carolina team. They outscored Duke 55-40 in the second half. 94-81 um, to they win. 23-8 uh, um, for the... Uh, for the Tar Heels this year. I mean, and not good. I mean, they were strictly a bubble team going into this game. I think the win probably solidifies them as an NCAA tournament team, but just really shocking to see. Um, definitely unfortunate. Obviously, I, I, like many others out there, I'm not the biggest fan of Duke. I do have the utmost respect for Coach K. Um, but yeah, an unfortunate way for him to go out and kind of a weird scenario after. I don't know, Graham, if you saw the post game speech. Um, no, you probably didn't because you were with me at the uh at the Xavier game so but yeah I was watching on my phone and then I went back and watched the speech later it was like really awkward like he was like kind of yelling at the fans not like in anger more just like because they like they wanted something to cheer for right they wanted to cheer for him for all the years that he's done at Duke and he was like no you know sit down quiet down that was that was unacceptable like I mean it was like weird um so I just that's the that's how this these things go you know when you're planning a retirement party and stuff like that um, and yet you still have to play a basketball game in between. So definitely strange, shocking to say the least. I mean, it is against the storybook 
of everything that you could have ever imagined. And while, sure, it's only one win in the overall win column for uh, North Carolina, I would count this as about five wins. Right. Um, as the season has been, we've talked about this in the first few episodes, that we were worried that this year was going to be a huge, um, you know, Coach K, you know, retirement tour, and every game's going to be turned against about him. And I'm sure we're going to see it. Um, with the ACC tournament, as soon as Duke gets underway, their first games of the nightcap on the 10th. And I'm sure the inevitable of when um, they get to the NCAA tournament, there's going to be plenty of, you know, Coach K talks. Last time he'll ever play a 16 seed on the first Friday and all that crap. But, I, you know, it was a little bit frustrating to me. And as I know, the media is going to portray it to be about Coach K. It was his night and everything like that. No one's really talking about how this North Carolina team has now played with a sense of urgency, you know, with their backs against the wall. We talked about them after an embarrassing defeat of staggering 20 points at their home court to Duke. And you barely cruised by a struggling Clemson team. Then they got their footing, you know, with a huge win over Florida State, um, kind of a middle-of-the-road ACC team. And then you had that fl- terrible game against Pittsburgh. So right after, you know, people started to trust them a little bit more. Seems like all hope was lost, but they have completely turned around their season um, with, you know, five straight wins you know, on the road at home. And I'm very, very excited to see how this North Carolina team handles uh, the ACC tournament. I mean, they were like in the middle to upper third of the ACC for most of the season, but they've now resurged their second seed. They're going to be playing on one of the later days. And this North Carolina team has all the tools, and I believe that, you know, with the bottom of my heart, all the tools to be great. That's why... I think that you and I and many fans and analysts alike were so critical of this North Carolina team because we wanted something more out of them. But I believe now that you know you have some momentum if they do well in the conference tournament, I would not want to see North Carolina early on in the tournament. This is a very talented team, top to bottom, you know, with transfers alike, yeah, old and new. I really like this North Carolina team, and I'm hoping they could play to their full potential because we all know. Uh, what this team can do now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely interesting to see them put together a 40-minute performance like that. Duke did not play their best game, but North Carolina, I mean, they came out and matched them and, and obviously bettered them. So um, definitely interesting to see that going into the tournament. I agree with you. Um, also interesting, they've got, so they have five, like five that they rolled deep with. Those That starting five did not come out in the second half against Duke. They played all 20 minutes. So, interesting to see that. That's definitely something worth noting come March time, you know, getting into those first, second-round games, especially if you're playing multiple in a couple days or even really conference tournament time as well. Um, definitely worth noting that. Um, they will play uh, this, I believe it's Thursday. feel bad. I should have this pulled up. Uh, yeah, they play this Thursday. Um in the first round or their first round of the ACC tournament. So we'll see them back in action again. Um, I'll be interested to see kind of what they can bring to the ACC tournament, see if that was kind of the end all be all. Cause I will say, I mean, I would say they're comfortably in the field, but with a loss in the first round, um, 
you know, they, that would probably not be ideal, um, you know, for North Carolina, um, just because, you know, obviously you never want that loss early, um, but especially to a team of, you know, either, um, I think it's either Virginia Tech or, um, or excuse me, no, it'll either be Virginia um, or uh, Louisville. So, again, not a not a great look there for North Carolina if you do lose that game. Um, but, again, you know, we'll just have to see what, what comes of their season and, and what kind of energy they can still bring in the ACC tournament after, obviously, a tremendous way to finish the season, but... Yeah, really shocking, and I think everyone kind of the sports world was, was shocked by that. Um, I would say something almost equally as shocking uh, was somehow Wisconsin losing the one seed in the Big Ten tournament. Um, so, I, as a lot of you know, um, and I mentioned la- uh, last week's pod, um, excuse me, was uh, Wisconsin locked up a share of the of the Big Ten title last week um, with that big win over Purdue at home. That was huge for them. Uh, a fun night for uh, the Badgers and, and for the Wisconsin you know, basketball community, essentially. Um, really, the entire city of Madison. All they had to do was uh, take care of Nebraska, um, the 13th seed out of 14 in the Big Ten tournament, on this past Sunday to, uh, to hold up that one seed and lock up that one seed for them in the Big Ten tournament. And uh, they lose, go on to lose uh, that game um, on Sunday, March 6th, um, to Nebraska 74-73. Um, I, I don't really know what to tell you about this, this Nebraska team. I mean, obviously they're not going to make the tournament, um, but have kind of come out of nowhere and gotten three big road wins here at the end, a 23-point win on the road at Penn State. Uh, they beat ranked Ohio State on the road, 78-70, and then 74-73 at Wisconsin. Um, again, don't really know what to make of that. Don't think they're going to be a bid stealer situation or anything like that. I mean, that would require them running through um, Northwestern, Iowa, Illinois, and then whoever's left after that. So I don't see them doing it. Um, but again, I mean, you know, who knows, right? <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, that's that's what March is. Um, talk about that game real quick. First touch on Nebraska. I, mean, I think that's unbelievable, you know, picking up these three big wins at, at the end of the season. While they've struggled, um, you know, you can't count them out. I mean, anything can happen in March, and especially anything can happen in March when you have a great coach. Um, I still believe that Fred Hoiberg is a great coach, even though he's struggled in the NBA, and then he hasn't been able to build much success at Nebraska quite yet. But, you know, you never know what could happen with uh, that Nebraska team and Fred Hoiberg. Um, while I don't see them winning the Big Ten or even making much of a splash, I uh, would not be surprised to count them out. But I did want to talk about Wisconsin real quick. Um, don't want to be too critical of Johnny Davis all the, yet. Because in that Nebraska game, before the flagrant two foul, which sidelined him for the rest of the game. Um, which, by the way, he is still listed as day-to-day, essentially. Like, he is inactive, but I'm assu- there's there's a large assumption that he will play on um, Friday. 
Right, and against either Maryland or Michigan State. I mean, how many of those commentators are gonna have to say big time players show up? I think Johnny Davis will play, um, and he had a great start of the game. You know, he didn't miss a shot. He had four rebounds to pair pair with his ten points that early on in the game. But I do think that this is one of my hot takes going into the tournament that this is a Wisconsin team that I think a lot of people are gonna fall in love with. You know, they have the prolific score. Um, you know, they have, you know, very well-rounded role players and Chucky Hepburn coming into his role, Tyler Wall, Brad Davison's been there for 20 years, so you have to trust him come March. But at the end of the day, Johnny Davis has not been the electric player that he was at the beginning of the year. I mean, to see a bad game from Johnny Davis was like, you know, finding a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. It's extremely rare um, you know, he was getting 30s and 20s, and, you know, every single night it felt like it was a Johnny Davis game. Um, but at the same token, uh, he's had several games in the second half of the season where he has not been himself. Uh, most notably, the Penn State game, 35 minutes, he shoots 2 for 13. Um, he's had a few 12 points, 11-point games where he's been a big role on the court but he hasn't been able to score and I think when you don't have your main guy which this Wisconsin team seems to run everything through you know come March if he's playing down to his opponent and you have to play whatever they end up a 15-14 seed and then you go into round two and you have to play another lower end team in your bracket I would not be surprised if this Wisconsin team fails to live to the expectation um I don't really love this team. Um, I've been kind of shocked to see them listed as a 1-2 and two seed. I mean, they have t- taken care of business. Um, their losses aren't bad losses at all, um, except for, you know, maybe the Rutgers and the Nebraska game. But other than that, I mean, they've only lost to ranked teams. I still trust this team. I think that they're a good team and deserve a high seed. But when it comes down to the tournament, I would not be surprised if this is the team that... Um, People are left scratching their heads with a busted bracket due to their um, early round struggles. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think um, you know it. The computer. I mean, the computers very clearly hate this Wisconsin team. Um, I mean, just to throw out a few numbers here, they are fifteenth in RBI or RPI strength schedule is fourteenth. Um, you know, it, it's not terrible numbers. I mean, they're, you know, I wouldn't say they're in a bad spot. I mean, they're 6-3 and three in quad one, 8-2 and two in quad two. So, I mean, that's 14-5 and five in the first two quadrants, 6-0 in quad three, and 4-1 and one in quad four. Um, they've only lost coming to Nebraska. So, again, I mean, they're not terrible, but the computers don't love them for the caliber team that they're, you know, supposed to be. Um. So yeah, I mean, again, who knows? They're twenty first in the net. Um, predictives, they're not good. BPI twenty six. Um, Ken Palm thirty. Sagarin twenty two. So I mean, again, you know, the the computers don't love them, but again, who knows? And and we'll see what this Wisconsin team has to bring uh, come t- tournament time. But I agree with you. I mean, we were talking before the show about you know Vermont. Um, 
or, or like even South Dakota State, teams coming out of these smaller conferences that are very, very good and have had very, very good conference campaigns. You know, I mean, I mean, Murray State will be ranked higher, but point being, um, this this Wisconsin team I think is could be very due for a first or second round upset. I would say the same thing about the Providence Friars, although with how their season's been going, it's probably gonna bite me in the bite me in the rear there. But that is what I would say about that. Um, alrighty, so moving past that, let's get into um, let's start looking at some tickets punched. Um, it is it is we are fully in the swing of this starting Sunday. Um, we had conference tournament finals. So we'll go through. Uh, the first ticket punch was uh, in the OVC, the Murray State Racers. All teams on the bubble took a collective deep breath when Murray State won this game. Um, obviously, if there was a bid stealer situation with Moorhead State winning, there's no way you could leave the Murray State Racers out. Um, so again, that could have been you know one bubble team popped there. Uh, but no, Murray State takes care of business, 171-67 over Moorhead State in the title game. Um, I mean, this Murray State team's legit. I think they'll probably be between that 7 and 10 line, um, somewhere in there, um, maybe 6 and 10 line. So somewhere in there, and I think they are a team that can go beat a 1, 2, or 3 seed in the second round very easily. Um, obviously, depending on who they get matched up with, but I, I do think this Murray State team is legit. 30-2 overall record, undefeated in the OVC. Um, you can't complain about that at all. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. So um, definitely will be interested to see what they can bring. Out of the Big South, first time in school history, the Longwood Lancers. Um, definitely a new one that hadn't heard much of them. Um, this is uh, their first tournament um, in NCAA history for them, and they were 26-6 and this year with a comfortable victory over Winthrop um, in that final game. Missouri Valley, uh, Loyola Chicago, um, did make it in. Kind of crazy because they ended up with the four seed in the, in the MVC tournament here. Um kind of were looked at as uh, almost, um, I mean, not, I don't want to say a failure, but a, a very disappointing um, season for them as compared to what they were supposed to have, um, falling down the rankings quite a bit. Um, they were in the top 25 at one point this year, fell out of that, um, losing, I think they got swept by UNI, or no, got swept by Drake, lost once to UNI to lose the um, MVC title. So, again, 25-7, and seven, though the, the Ramblers are in. They wouldn't have, I don't think they would have made it. Um, if they hadn't won this game, um, they Drake was up double digits early. I don't know if you saw this, Graham, but Drake was up double, double digits early, and uh, Loyola Chicago went on a 19-0 run um, towards the end of the first half. So really, kind of put Drake away, and then kind of kept him at an arm's distance um, from there on. Georgia State, uh, the Sun Belt, 18 and 10, uh, with a 80 to 71 win over the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Um, so Georgia State will get back in the uh, NCAA tournament. First since 2019 and second since that uh, incredible uh, series in 2013. Uh, we were talking about this earlier over Textgram, but uh, RJ Hunter for three is still probably one of my fondest memories. That I remember that year especially. Um, that was the year that I think the Big 12 had like five or six teams that were all ranked like four or five or better or something like that. Um, and they all lost in the first round except for Kansas. Um, I remember Baylor lost to Georgia State that year. Um, Iowa State lost to UAB that year, um, so there was some weird, some weird stuff going on there. But again, that uh, that was a good one worth noting um, that I saw. Um, so yeah, good to good to see the Panthers back in it. Chattanooga, the Chattanooga Mocks, uh, 64-63 overtime win over Furman. That was a thriller to watch. 27-7 Mocks getting into the NCAA tournament, a 40-footer for the win in overtime. That was fun. Um, in the horizon, the Wright State Raiders, 21-13, get a 72-71 win over the Northern Kentucky 
um, news this uh, this evening. Um, definitely worth noting. We are familiar with the uh, with the people of Northern Kentucky and the university, and uh, being in Cincinnati, we see them quite a bit. Um, so a tough loss for them, but a good win um, for uh, excuse me, good win for Wright State. And uh, I, again, another one of those that kind of came down to the wire there, went in 72-71. Delaware out of the CAA, 22-12. Uh, they were the five seed in this tournament. First time the five seed has ever won uh, that um, conference tournament. This will be their first since 2014. First appearance in the NCAA since 2014. Good on the Blue Hens there. Good win. Um, South Coast State Jackrabbits, uh, they would not, unfortunately, have been a bid sealer. Um, they were 30-4, and but 0-2 in quad one and all of their metrics were really, really poor. So they would not have been a bid sealer. Um, it wouldn't have been a bid sealer situation if North Dakota State had won. Um, but no, South Dakota State took care of business. And th at 30-4, and four, I think this will be a very popular early-round upset pick for a lot of people. Gonzaga obviously punched their ticket. They were in either way. Um, they will probably be the number one overall seed with that win over St. Mary's. Um, and then a couple other ones worth noting this, that happened this evening. Uh, Bellarmine beat Jacksonville in the ASUN championship game. Bellarmine is ineligible for the NCAA tournament. That is, I, Graham, can I get your take it, uh, before I say anything? Can you, can you, what, what do you think about this five-year um, transition period rule? Um, I've struggled to, uh, you know, wrap my head around it. I could understand if you ever go down a division and then you, you're banned or ineligible, rather, from postseason play. But... I, I just think that it isn't fair when there's so much hard work that goes into going up to the Division One level um, as a school community and especially the players. I mean, there's def the reason why they're ineligible. I mean, they have several players that were Division Two players. Um, I really like Bellarmine's style of play. Uh, I've been, you know, very intrigued by they very rarely do they dribble and set ball screens. It's a lot of, you know, motion and you know, moving the ball around. I think it would have been a very unique taste breaker for them to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, but I think Bellarmine has, you know, built a well-respected school and a basketball program. So I'm hoping that they can ride the success for the next two, few years. Um, it stinks that, you know, we can't see this immediate success this year or even the next two seasons after. But I hope uh, once that fifth-year Division One eligibility plays in, and we could see them in the NCAA tournament, that they'll be just as dominant as they've been. I mean, they've played very well, and they they deserve um, a shot, really. I think that's why I love NCAA uh, playoffs. I mean, every team, I mean, every conference gets represented by um, their own team that's earned their spot, and I think that Bellarmine earned their spot. Um, it's... It's very upsetting for me when I think about the players, you know, you've worked that hard to get there, and it kind of just gets taken away from you. I mean, you cut down the net, and you pretty much just throw it away. Um, right. It, it really sucks for the Knights. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's funny, because we, we were talking about earlier in the season about, you know, the St. Thomas Tommies and their story, D3 to D1 jump. Didn't even think that that would be an ineligible deck. This kind of snuck up on me, so we were kind of joking about, oh, what if the Tommies made the tournament? Obviously, that wouldn't even be a possibility for the next five years. So, again, that's just another example of many. But very unfortunate to see that. Um, and, yeah, so we will we will move from that. But just wanted to note that. And then the only other one uh, that was worth noting, 
um, or at least it's been locked up so far. Bryant uh, absolutely destroying Wagner up 36 to six at one point. Um, this Peter Kiss kid from Bryant is blowing up Twitter right now. He wore a Kiss like band shirt during warmups, um, and then like flexed at the camera every time he dunked the ball in the first half. Um, but yeah, Bryant was up 36 to six at one point. This was never a game. The um, headline happened later though. Uh, later on in the evening, uh, about five minutes ago in the second half, uh, a some tempers flared uh, behind. And this, I will say, this is sweet. I love that. Not the fight. Um, <laughs> I love that uh, that Bryant got to host the title game. I do think that that is the proper way to do it. I love seeing conference title games at um, universities and in home gyms and things like that. I think the higher should high. Ugh higher seed should always get to host obviously it's not really a possibility for the power conferences just with how many people are trying to fit and trying to be geographically fair and blah 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 whatever um and obviously you know money and advertising deals and tv deals all that stuff all comes into play i totally understand but for these smaller conferences seeing it in these smaller gyms is great um but yeah so the bryant student section was expansive it was huge um as you can expect and some temp- tempers flared um, from from the Wagner players uh, in between um, the, the players and the fans. Um, punches were thrown between the fans. Um, one of the players tried to get involved for Wagner. I believe it was, uh, didn't catch his first name, it was Martinez. Um, anyways, he tried to get involved, um, was ejected from the game for leaving the bench area during that time. Both teams were sent to the locker room, brought back out 15 minutes later, and the game was continued. Obviously, Bryant winning. Um, later on in the evening. So worth noting, um, not for the basketball side, but for what happened outside of it. But Bryant does uh, overall win um, and take away a, a, a huge victory and a, and a big kind of uh, momentum push into the into the tournament. I do think, I mean, I you know, this Peter Kiss kid's running all over, um, all over Twitter, and this is Bryant's first NCAA tournament in the history of the university. So I think it is worth noting, and I think that, again, that could be another popular um, upset pick. So worth noting that for sure um looking ahead from that we've got one uh graham do you want to talk about our one um um i wanted ticket to punch uh, tomorrow yeah uh i could dive right in basically right after get my quick notes uh on these you know first tickets punch yeah first please. of all murray state um I think a lot of people are just gonna be like it's almost too good to be true and it's not i love this murray state team um, I think they have the combination, you know, having a respectable program. K.J. Williams is unbelievable. I don't think he's talked about enough. Um, and then you have, you know, the senior laden um, and upperclassmen who were there on that John Morant run um, who got to be in the NCAA tournament. You know, you stay in the hotel, you practice on a new court. Like, they're going to be able to um, provide that uh, experience of leadership for the younger guys. And obviously got to root for Murray State. Because of Carter Collins, former Davidson player, while he doesn't have much of a role, um, you know, it's kind of just a tertiary, you know, backup point guard doing his job. But you still got root for him. The Longwood Lancers, uh, while I don't think that they'll have much success in the NCAA tournament, it is an unbelievable story. I mean, this program went from, uh, I think it was three seasons or two or three seasons ago. I read this in the beginning of the year because they were undefeated for a while. Uh, the program only had like two wins in a season only two years ago, and now they've turned it in to twenty six and six. 
beating conference powerhouse Winthrop. Um, they're an unbelievable team. They're very talented. They deserve their spot. I don't think they'll have much success, but you have to root for them and their program. Missouri Valley with the Loyola Chicago Ramblers. Um, I'm not as high as I usually am on the Ramblers, but I mean, when you keep bringing back all these guys that have succeeded in the NCAA tournament, and they handle business when they get there, um, Missouri Valley sending a great team in Loyola Chicago. I definitely see them doing well. Uh, Sunbelt, Georgia State, not much to say there other than I really wish Ron Hunter was still there. Uh, <laughs> Ron Hunter is now dancing in the beautiful land of New Orleans and Tulane, but you uh, love to see that his impact is still made um, with Corey Allen and the gang doing well in the Sun Belt. The Mox, Chattanooga. Um, I really like this team. I I really think that... Um, shouts, shouts to Silvio De Souza. Yeah, exactly. Did you see that? Former, just, former Jayhawk, Silvio De Souza, he had like 16 and 14. When you have someone who has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, you know, I'm sure he's quite <laughs> upset about that whole run in at Kansas. You know, when you when you combine that, who's I mean, it's not just, you know, oh yeah, he's experienced well. He's still playing very well at a high level. And you combine that with one of the best scores, if not the best score in the SoCon and Malachi Smith. Um, I think the mocks have everything that you would need uh to, you know, pull off a first round upset. Uh we talked about the A Sun uh, Wright State Raiders. I don't really trust the Horizon League this year, but, you know, Columbus uh, man, uh, Keaton Norris from Hilliard Bradley is at Wright State Raiders, so hopefully they can pull off an early round upset. Uh, in the Colonial, the Delaware Blue Hens. Um, one, of the, one, surpri- of the sickest, one of the sickest mascots in all of college sports. Oh, yes. Like. The Blue Hens, are you freaking kidding me? That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite parts about these, you know, um when when you get to the NCAA tournament you're looking at like these lower end seeds that you don't really seem you know that they'll do anything but it's even better when they win and you get to hear you know like the blue hens or yeah. uh the well, mocks. We were talking about it. yeah we were talking about mocks or the lancers like the, ja- the it's jack just unbelievable. baby of course you know South go, State. go bunnies um i I'm a huge fan of Jameer Nelson. So to see his son succeeding on the Blue Hens, you know, maybe um, having one of the best um, point guards of the early 2000s in your corner might be a good thing for the Blue Hens. Um, Moving on to Bryant. uh, Peter Kiss is an unbelievable uh, Northeast Conference basketball player. Um, The first thing I thought of when I saw him and all his antics, you know, he's like doing like some sort of bird celebration and it all kinda that gave stuff. me some, some some Timmy vibes a little bit. Like yeah, with the mustache no. thing like, like the you know, like that that was very yeah. it was giving me some Timmy vibes. Uh the first thing that I thought of once I was able to digest, you know, and maybe it's because, you know, the whole fight and I was just in that kind of mindset. I could see this being a Kansas Monmouth type of game where <laughs> Where, you know, Bryant's, Bryant's playing like a, a team way out of their league and, you know, they're down by 15 or 20 and Peter Kiss just has a dunk and, you know, it he gets just teed like, up at the end of the game. Right. I, I just, I'm just waiting for Twitter to explode when the heartthrob of the Northeast Conference is like right. standing on the scorer's table after being down 20. 
Um, <laughs> Gonzaga handled St. Mary's. Um, they did, scoreboard doesn't d- scoreboard does not do it justice. I think Gonzaga dominated, and they've dominated this entire tournament. I think they're going to continue to dominate until they start playing some better teams uh, later on in the tournament. Alrighty, well that'll wrap our kind of tickets punch so far. Looking forward, uh, the Patriot League tomorrow um, will punch their ticket. Colgate Navy, the one and two seed there, um, and then moving past that. Still to hear, uh, tickets punch from American East, Miac, Mac, well, sorry, <laughs> Mac, and the Mac, <laughs> um, the Swack, the Big Sky, um, the Southland, the Wack, the Big West, the Ivy, um, which is interesting because they've now gone to a bracket format. It used to just be regular season champs, but now they've gone to a bracket format with just the top four teams. Thought that was worth noting. Um, and that was it, that happened a few years back, but it's been a little overshadowed. A little overshadowed by COVID and them not participating in the tournament. Blah blah blah. Um, the and the A10. Those are probably the all the one bid leagues left. Um, the only other one worth noting, CUSA. This is an interesting one. Um, similar to an OVC situation. If North Texas does not win this tournament, that could be a bubble pop. But again, it's you know North Texas is one of those teams. I mean, they're a tough ass to get them in, um, but they're a really, really solid team, um, you know. And I just think it's one of those things where um, you have to look at it, um, you know. Obviously, once you get, um, you know, once you get down to it. But again, I, I think um, I, I would be shocked if North Texas does not win it. Um, but either way, I mean, Grant McCasland has, has done a great job with this program, um, and, and he's led them to some some big time success over the last few years. So, I'll be interested to see what you know what happens if if North Texas does not win this uh, CUSA tournament. But I, you know, all all my money is is in on the Mean Green. Uh, right. I mean, tomorrow with only one ticket being punched um, in the Patriot League on the ninth. But they're looking forward. I mean, plenty of games, you know, that are going to be starting uh, their own tournaments. Um, It's really when you get down to um, the 12th and the 13th where you see those final tickets being punched. So I'm definitely going to enjoy, you know, when the stakes are higher in the Patriot League. Um, You know, it's kind of, you know, two different sides, really. I mean, this Colgate team has really run the Patriot League for the past few years, and they've shown that in the tournament. Um dismantling a Bucknell team that snuck past Lafayette and then you destroy um, you know a little bit of that conference rival in Lehigh by 20 but then you look at the other side of the bracket I mean Navy sneaking past an inferior American um, on their home court in Annapolis and then um, you know sneaking past a Boston team uh, only by five points on their home court. So now, you you know, you travel, you know, got the uh, campus site game in Colgate in upstate New York. Um, I'm very interested to see what happens. I would love to see, you know, Colgate, you know, come back. Um, because, you know, last year, I don't know how much you remember, but Colgate was like that team that everyone wanted, you know, to go far, you know, upset yeah, the big dude, dogs. They were, and... they were playing Arkansas in the first round, and they put up like a one bazillion points, and Arkansas just matched it. Right. It, it was one of the more exciting early round games last year. 
Um, that was that was Thursday. That was one of the early games on Thursday. Right. That was a definitely. That was one of the games. You know that hit you like, oh yeah, we're here, and you know you barely snuck past that game, and then boom, Ohio State loses to Oral Roberts. So <laughs> well, so it's uh, funny you say that because I I would think the same thing, except I totally forgot about this until I I saw like a, a March Madness hype video on Twitter the other day. I totally forgot that the first game of the tournament last year went into OT. It was that Florida Virginia Tech game, seven versus ten, and it went to overtime. It was in Hinkle too. Like they opened the tournament in Hinkle, remember? Because it was a whole Indiana bubble situation. Um, and yeah, so it was in Hinkle, and that first seven uh, ten game went into overtime, which was awesome. Um, and then I think Arkansas Colgate was was very near after um, that. But point being, um, I, I gosh, I I cannot understand how how excited I am. Um, Alrighty, so moving from that, let's uh, let's look at a couple bubble teams that have some very important games this week. Um, I would say the biggest one that I'm going to highlight for you um, is going to be Thursday, uh, March 10th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. So that's a 10.30 tip for a central folk over here. Um, so I actually will be, uh, Graham, I've not told you this yet, so I'm going to inform you now live. I'm going to be at the Big 12 tournament on Thursday. I got the afternoon session tickets, so I'll be checking out um, Texas and TCU at 11.30 central. And then at 2 o'clock, my Jayhawks taking on uh, the winner of West Virginia, K-State, I believe. So um, I'll be catching those games, but I will catch the first half of that Michigan-Indiana game, and I'll definitely keep in tabs with it during the Texas-TCU game because that's essentially an elimination game. Um, that is going to be – I mean, if Indiana loses, they are by by and far out of the tournament. Um, I think if Michigan loses, they might still have a chance. Um, but loss volume, to some extent, like still has to come into play here. Um, is the committee really going to put in a 17 and 14 team? Um, I understand their metrics are good. I understand that their their numbers are good. They've played a really hard schedule. I think their their strength schedule is second in the nation. Um, so I understand all of those pieces, but I just don't see how you can put a team that's three games above 500 in the tournament. Um, I think they've at least got to beat Indiana, prove that they can beat that win that one last game. Um, and then, you know, a matchup against Illinois, and, and who knows what happens that Friday. I will say, though, Michigan has been on a win-loss, 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 win-loss pattern for the last six weeks. Um, so if that pattern stays true, they are due to lose this game to Indiana after the win against Ohio State on Sunday. We will see if the uh, if the tournament format changes that up. Grammy, any thoughts on that one? Um, with uh, Big 12 or Big 10? With I'm sorry, with, with uh, Michigan, Indiana, and the Big 10 tournament as a whole but oh um yeah i definitely think it is a win win loss uh, scenario because the reason being i think both of those teams are teams that the community will look at and be like okay you know while they have you know lost some bad games and they've looked inconsistent i mean look what they've done as a whole i mean they've beat this team they've traveled on the road they've done well um but you can't put both teams in, and I think that both of they, both Indiana and Michigan are good enough that if you beat them, it looks good on your resume. But they're bad enough that if you lose to them, it can send you home. So I definitely agree that this is a winner go home situation in two different regards. One obviously being, you know, keep playing in Indianapolis, but the other being, you know, who's gonna, who's gonna end up um, happy on Selection Sunday. Uh, I'm really hoping, and this removes all 
um, Ohio State fan bias. I'm really hoping Indiana gets in um, just because uh, I'm a huge fan of what Woodson has done there. Um, turning it around that quickly after you know the whole Archie Miller like fiasco that ensued over the past few years. I think that Indiana has all the tools to be a dangerous March Madness team. But at the same token, uh, you know, Juwan Howard coming back to take the mantle. <laughs> right, which lead. we didn't even I, – I kind of forgot. We didn't even mention that. Juwan Howard will be back on Thursday for that game, for his first game in, in five games. So it's been a couple of weeks, obviously, since that whole fiasco. But, yeah, definitely worth noting that as well. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, as long as Wisconsin's assistant coaches aren't at the game – I think that he can lead, you know, Hunter Dickinson and the guys to a win or two in Indianapolis. Uh, but obviously, it starts on that game against Indiana. I'm really looking forward to that game. Will be definitely one that I've I have circled. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving past that, let's let's talk real quick. Rutgers, obviously, very firmly on the bubble. They are the four seed in the in the Big East tournament. How weird does that sound? That the four seed, or excuse me, Big East, four seed in the Big Ten tournament. They used to be in the Big East. Um, forcing the Big Ten tournament is on the bubble. Um, presumably they'll play Iowa again. Obviously Nebraska kind of on that side of the bracket, so they could play Nebraska as well. Um, but realistically they will play Iowa um, on Friday, March 11th. So again, that's one of those that I'm not saying Rutgers has to win, but uh, you know, like you're getting into really sketchy waters if you don't win that game on. Um, on Friday against probably Iowa or Nebraska, obviously. I mean, at that point, you know, you play Illinois or, or Michigan or Indiana, you know, losing at that point is probably not the end of the world for them. Um, but I think they do need to at least win that one game. Um, moving past the Big Ten, those are really the only two big um, bubble teams there uh, in the Big Ten. Um, big East has some big <laughs> implications. Um, obviously, we know we're familiar. We'll get to Xavier later during the Musketeer minute, but that Xavier Butler game, I would say, is essentially an elimination game for the Musketeers, um, at the least. Um, and then Creighton also kind of hanging around that bubble spot. I think they're probably more on the safe side um, of the bubble, but definitely worth noting them in there. Currently, I've got them in my last four buys uh, category here as we look at this. Um, and then also moving past that, uh, ACC tournament, again, some of those teams that are going to need wins. Notre Dame, Miami, just to name a couple. Uh, Virginia Tech as well is kind of on the outside looking in right now. Um, but if they can go to make a run, uh, that would be huge. And then um, other teams worth noting, I mean, we'll get to the bubble here in a moment, but, uh, you know, a couple SEC teams, Florida, Texas A&M, I also think they're both on the outside looking in, but definitely worth noting them going into the conference tournament. Graham, any other headlines conference tournament-wise, any other games you got circled, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean – first one um, that I'm looking forward to and I'm sure now that you're I know that you're going it's probably even more uh, the Big 12 tournament is one I'm looking forward to uh, namely because uh, this Big 12 conference has been a very competitive conference all year I mean top to bottom there's no slouches uh, even the inferior teams you can catch them on a good night and I think that's exactly what we could see, um, Kansas City. I think that um, out of the big conferences, you know, Power Six, 
I think the Big yeah, Twelve. Yeah. Which, by the is, way, can we can we? Sw- I, I understand Power Five in football because the Big East doesn't exist. Can we change it to the Power Six in in college basketball? I mean, come on, you're you're gonna tell me that the Pac-12 is better than the Big East, really? Like, I I don't care if I get slander for that. That I will die on that hill, and that's not a Xavier bias thing. The Big East is objectively a better basketball conference than the Pac-12. Period. End of discussion. Carry on. Right. I I think that could be best. I think our case could be best summarized with one sentence. So it takes one man to make a difference. And you know, I'm just gonna keep saying Power Six. If I get funny looks, I uh, you know I'll just rattle them off. I mean, you got Big Twelve, Big Ten. Big East, SEC, ACC, and A10. I I just don't think that there's there's any more debate. Um, and of course, of course, I know elephant in the room. I didn't mention the MAC, but um, and then the Pac-12. Really, really, no love to the American there either. Ah, uh, yeah. I, Although I will also stand on you know stand on that hill. I think the, the American is a fraud conference. I mean, how about Houston? Yeah. Like. They are. I don't think they're that good. I mean, their predictive metrics are good, um, but they got swept by Memphis. Um, and yeah, who knows? Anyways, we're we're getting off track here. Um, anything else you want to mention about conference tournaments, Graham? Yeah. Uh, quickly summarize. I think Big Twelve is most likely for a big stealer, uh, bid stealer. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, ACC tournament. I'm gonna stay as far away as I can on that in the channel guide. I think that's gonna be a dumpster <laughs> fire led by a Duke win. <laughs> Um, Hold on, wait. Are we sure we don't want to give Syracuse any airtime here? There's not going to be a... Okay. Yeah, you know, I will add this. Syracuse, <laughs> if, if Duke... Because if, if any team's going to do it for the ACC, we all know... If Duke doesn't orange. win, those orange bleepers are going to win the whole damn thing, and <laughs> no, okay. I'm going to so be they mad. Play, so they play They play Florida State on uh, tomorrow, I believe. Yeah, they play Florida State tomorrow. And then if they win, they'll play Duke in the, on Thursday. So I, I'm just saying, like, if Yo, anyone's gonna I'm, do it, it's gonna be Syracuse. I'm completely with you on that. Um, I also look forward to the Big Ten tournament. I think that they're the most balanced at the top. Um, I think that there's several teams that have solidified themselves as a, you know, a very good contender in that conference. Look forward to that. Um, and uh, finally. You know, in the SEC, uh, I love SEC's format. I think they have it, you know, figured out um, in terms of game schedules and, you know, better teams getting the bye. But um, also, you know, the five seed and six seed also get a small bye. I'm a fan of that. Um, I I see Kentucky or Auburn coming out of this. But um, as you know, I mean, anything could come towards uh, tournament time. I don't trust LSU, and I'm not really a big fan of Alabama this year. But I also wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, yeah, Alabama nine. dropped. Alabama dropped their last two in conference play to Texas A&M and LSU. So again, worth noting that that's the only reason that Texas A&M's even in this bubble conversation. Um, and then obviously LSU is not a great basketball team this year either. So yeah, uh, I think that the Big Twelve is more prone to a bid stealer. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be them. But I would not rule out the SEC. I really like uh, the idea of um, a Florida or Texas A&M upsetting Auburn, you know, going all the way. Um, I also I mean, Florida, do love... Florida already did it once. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
I also would not count out a Mississippi State um, or South Carolina team going into what I don't. I mean, obviously they won the games that deserve the spot, but I don't see Tennessee as the second best team in the SEC. I think if you beat them, um, Mississippi State or South Carolina could make some noise. Uh, I think the SEC is definitely interesting, but you know their top dogs in Kentucky and Auburn are more solidified um, throughout the year as compared to you know the the Big Twelve where there's been a few more up and down games and hiccups throughout their top three four teams. I'm definitely looking forward to that SEC title game, especially if it is Kentucky and Auburn. I do think if Kentucky, or excuse me, if Auburn wins, I do think they lock up a one seed. Um, that that would be a, a great string of performances for them. Other one seeds wise, obviously Gonzaga is going to probably get the number one overall. Um, Arizona, I would say, is a lock one seed. I would say Auburn probably is if they can go win the SEC tournament. Um, a lot of people are saying Baylor right now. I. This is a non-KU diatribe, I promise. I don't understand how Kansas beats Baylor at home by 25 or 30 points, and it's seen as, like, another day in the office for KU. And then Baylor beats KU by 10 at home, and all of a sudden they're this top-tier team that is a locked one seed. I I don't completely understand that. Um, I'm not saying Kansas is deserving of a one seed because they're absolutely not. They're a two-seed at heart. Um but I also don't think this Baylor team is worth a one seed either. Um, my other thing of note, worth noting too, I think if Purdue comes out of the Big Ten as the winners, they will get that last one seed spot. Um, otherwise, I don't see any other one seeds coming out of the Big Ten. I don't think Illinois or Wisconsin could do that. Um, so just worth noting that. Let's go to the bubble. Um, let me let me put it to you this way, Graham. I've got I got 16 teams on the bubble right now. And I've essentially got 10 available spots. Um, so I'm going to list them off. Um, and then if you want to... Yeah, I'm going to list them off, my 16 teams on the bubble, in no particular order. And mm-hmm. then I'll give them to you and how I've got it last... I've got last four buys, last four in, first four out, and um, next four out. And you can kind of let me know what you think from there. So teams mm-hmm. I've got on the bubble are... Notre Dame, SMU, Miami, Wyoming, Indiana, Virginia Tech, Dayton, Florida, Rutgers, Xavier, Michigan, Creighton, Oklahoma, BYU, A&M, VCU. Those are my my Um, 16. Right now I've got it. Last four buys. I've got Rutgers, Xavier, Michigan, and Creighton getting those last four buys. I think those four teams are fairly comfortably in. I think they're all at a point – I would say minus Xavier. Um, the other three are at a point where even if they lose in the first round of their conference tournament, I think they're still comfortably in. Um, Xavier, I think, is kind of the last of those four. Um, I think if they lose, obviously we'll get to this later, but if they lose tomorrow against Butler, um, things get really hairy for the Musketeers. Past that, um, the last four in, Notre Dame, SMU, Miami, and Wyoming. I really like Wyoming. I really like what the Mountain West has done this year. I do think they deserve four bids. I do think this Wyoming team gets in. Miami, I think, has done just enough in the ACC. Um, SMU getting that big win over Houston was lo- was huge for them. And Notre Dame, I think, has been solid enough throughout the year to get in. Um, and then my first four out, I've got Indiana, Virginia Tech, Dayton, and Florida. I think Indiana is going to lose to Michigan um, on this Thursday, and that's going to push them just outside the bubble. Virginia Tech, I think, a great run as of late, but not, just not enough. Um, Dayton, I... I 
they really tried. They're beating beating your Davidson Wildcats there last weekend of the regular season, but I just don't think it's enough unless they go win the A10 tournament, and I just don't see that happening. I see da- I see Davidson locking that up um, and taking care of that one A10 spot. Um, and then Florida, I think the upset of Auburn was great, but I don't think they did enough all year. And then the, my uh, next four out after that, the last four teams of the bubble, I've got Oklahoma, BYU, Texas A&M, and VCU. I think BYU has just been way too inconsistent this year. Texas A&M, too much or too little, too late. Um, VCU, I don't think should really even be in the conversation. I honestly was kind of just looking for another team to make it an even sixteen. Um, and then uh, Oklahoma, I really like. I really like this team. I know you did as well, Graham. Really love the Groves brothers. Really love Porter Moser. I wanted to see them do well. Um, I think that team will develop into a very solid team over the next few years. Um, but I think just this year, just not enough. Kind of similar to that Michigan um, talk earlier. You know, lost volume has a has a really big play in this as well. Yeah, I'm gonna start from your bottom to your top. Um, what was your first next four out team? So the so the next four out, uh, I had Oklahoma, BYU, A and M, and VCU in that order. Okay. Um. So. Oklahoma, I think, is one of those teams that they have the tools to make a splash in their tournament, and that's what they'll need um, to win. They'll have to either beat some of the top dogs early on and convincingly, or they'll have to win the whole thing. VCU is another one of those teams where I think that they have to win the tournament at this point. While they've been able to hang with the top dogs of the A-10, um, A-10 just isn't what the other conferences are, and I think at the end of the day, when you compare... You know, a pretty solid VCU team to a, um, you know, above average Power Six team. They're gonna give it to the Power Six team all day. I think VCU oh, yeah, needs absolutely. to win their tournament. Uh, BYU, I think, is out. Yeah, um, B- yeah, BYU is out. Out. I mean, they're not being able to handle um, the West Coast. I just think that opened the door for another team to sneak in, and BYU's on the way out. I haven't liked them all year. Um, and I'm, I, I just think when you were unable to even, um, get to the semifinal in the West coast, that's a cause for concern. And what was the fourth team I'm missing? Uh, Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M is an interesting team. I think that they've pulled together some great wins throughout the year. They've just, uh, you know, fallen to inferior teams at the wrong time. Um, I love their draw. I think um, the Texas A&M playing Florida round one is a perfect spot for them. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say it's an elimination game because I think they're both out right now. But I think a win would really help both of those sides. Yeah, I think that you know either team you know wins, you then have to play a tough Auburn team that's not going to be easy to beat. But, you know, I think that they are beatable. It's conference tournament time. Auburn may be a little bit more lax, uh, seeing, you know, the fact that they're definitely going to be a one seed. If they have a bad day, they'll be a two seed. Um, regardless, of the, they're going to have a very high bid. Auburn, you know, could be a little bit lax. I think uh, Florida or Texas A&M could sneak in, get a huge win um, over Auburn, and then you're looking forward to, you know, playing with the rest of the field. I like Texas A&M's chances, but... At this point, I think that they're out. Uh, moving on to your next four, your first four out. Yeah, first four out was uh, in this order: Indiana, Virginia Tech, Dayton, and Florida. 
Okay, uh, well, we talked about Florida real quick. I think they're at the same token as Texas A&M. You know, you need to beat Texas A&M, and then, you know, you beat Auburn. You're living with the momentum and a huge win. Um, Dayton, uh, while that they've resurged at the end of the season, um, I respect their, you know, change of heart after, you know, those three terrible losses early on. I was just going to say, um, you're not you're not going to put a team in the tournament that lost to Austin P. Lowell or UMass Lowell and um, crap, what was it? Lipscomb as three games yeah. in a row at home. Yeah, I think that it's hard to, now that they look at the whole body of work, it's hard to overlook those games. Um, but Dayton, you know, they've competed with every single top dog in the tournament, in, in the field, in the A-10. Um, you know, I, as a Davidson fan, I don't want to see them in the tournament. I mean, they just bested us, so they have a very talented group of players. Um, I think that they can win the A-10, but I think that's what they'll need to uh, get to the tournament. Um, Virginia Tech is a very interesting team. Yeah, that's um, a weird one. I think that they have not lived up to the expectations, and I don't see them winning the tournament. I don't think that they have enough momentum going into it. I would much rather have a Duke team. Um, and then thereafter, I think North Carolina's resurgence, Miami and Notre Dame being solid all year, and then, of course, my fifth choice would be, you know, Bayheim and the gang uh, to, you know, steal a bid. I don't see, um, you know, Virginia Tech uh, having that opportunity. And was it Miami was the next team? Or Indiana? Indiana. Indiana was the first team out. Uh, Indiana, I we we touched upon them, so I won't go too far in depth. But I think if you know beat Michigan, uh, that might be your end. I don't think that you'd have to win convincingly, and so you have to pray that there's no other bid stealers. But I think this Indiana team has the resume to get in. They just have some bad losses. That I think that they can correct um, playing Michigan and thereafter. Um, and All right, so how our about last, our okay. last four in here, these would be the four teams going to Dayton to play in the first four. I've got Notre Dame, SMU, Miami, and Wyoming. Um, yeah, give, go ahead and give me your takes. Okay. Um, Notre Dame, uh, I think, will be in the tournament unless something crazy happens and they just get dismantled in the ACC tournament. Um I like Notre Dame's chances. I think that they're in. I would have them in my tournament. Um, SMU, I think that SMU needs to win their tournament. I don't think that the American has the prestige that it's, you know, what you would think it would have. Um, too many bottom filler teams being able to compete with the big dogs on the middle of the table. I think that SMU doesn't have the conference prestige, and they did not succeed well early on in the season. I think they'll definitely need um, conference tournament success. Um, and then Wyoming. Wyoming's a very interesting team. You know, they were rounding out the top 25 a few times and the other receiving votes. Um, as unfair as it is, I don't think that um, we're going to see a multiple, you know, multiple bid less this year. Uh, I think we'll see two or three, but a fourth team is unlikely. Um, I, I th- the only way I could see this happening, you know, is if the conference tournaments go as planned and Wyoming wins theirs. Um, I definitely 
see them being a bubble team, though, being a 12th or 11th seed, having to go to Dayton and then sneaking in. Um, but even then, I don't see them being a field of 64 uh, team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, and then Miami was that last team there on that list. Oh, Miami. I like Miami. I think that they've shown um, that they have the talent. They've competed, you know, all year. They even beat Duke, which is uh, a hard task. Um, With KU transfer I like... Charlie, Charlie Moore at the helm. Just wanted to note that. <laughs> How about that. his? Have you seen his um, transfer, like, map? No, I don't think so. Okay, he... <laughs> Let me just pull this up. He went from, he played for, can I get a career, please? Okay. He went from, in 2016-17, played for the University of California, Berkeley. So out west. 18-19, transferred to Kansas, plays for KU. 19-20 and then 2021, plays for DePaul. And then 21-22, he's in Miami. I mean, look at that. He went from he, he covered the code. He went he went side to side. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like I I saw that I saw something about that earlier in the season. Um, I think it was after they beat Duke actually, and I was like, wow, that guy really uh, he he's the true journeyman. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that's for sure. I like Miami's chances going into the ACC tournament. Um, I think if they you know get one win, um, they'll be in. If they get two, they'll not have to worry about going to Dayton or anything like that. Absolutely. And then my last four buys as of now are, are Rutgers, Xavier, Michigan, Creighton. We can skip out on the Xavier talk because we'll get to it later if you would like. Um, at least give me those other three, though. Okay. Uh, Rutgers, I think, uh, is in. Um, I'd say they're pretty at, comfortably in. Yeah. Unless... The only uh, case that I could see them not getting in is if, you know, a team like Northwestern upsets Iowa and then just destroys Rutgers. I think if, even if they lose to Iowa, that the, they could, you know, you'll have to, you know, hope a few things go their way, but I still see Rutgers getting in. Um, Michigan, as we talked about them earlier, I think, you know, a win uh, should get them in. Um you know, we'll talk about Xavier in a little bit. Creighton, uh, I think that they've just, you know, kind of had some late-season implosions. I think, you know, getting a buy is uh, very important. Or, no, do they have a buy or do they play Marquette round one? They, um, I believe they play Marquette. That sounds right. Okay. Marquette's um, a tough let me a tough draw. Confirm that. Um, a win will get them in with flying colors. A lose, so I'll have to do some praying um, come Sunday. Yes, Creighton plays Marquette on Thursday in the first round. So, yeah, it's it's the first round games are tomorrow. Xavier Butler, St. John's DePaul, Seton Hall, Georgetown. Xavier Butler, winner, plays Providence. St. John's DePaul, winner, plays Nova. Seton Hall, Georgetown, winner, plays UConn. Okay. Yeah, I mean, my answer doesn't change. I think that if they win at Marquette, they'll be in with flying colors lose they'll have to do some praying come sunday yeah absolutely i i I couldn't agree with you more there um i I would say that all those teams are fairly comfortably in um despite any you know drastic implosions there so all righty so moving past the bubble we've completed that we're well over an hour so that's 
you know, it is what it is. We move. All right, trivia time. Graham, I'm setting you up first. Um, we've been talking a lot about the Indiana Hoosiers. I've got a, a, I would say, a pretty decent question for you. Obviously, we mentioned the Archie Miller fiasco. Um, we've talked about what Mike Woodson's done, but still not a winning season yet uh, for Mike Woodson in Indiana. Graham, when was the last time that Indiana had a winning season in the Big Ten? In the Big Ten, specifically, Big Ten Conference record. Um. Wow. That stinks that you have to scratch your head about it. Because, uh, you know, when, whenever I think of um, Indiana, you know, you think of, like, Prestige, Bobby Knight, and all that, all that good stuff. Um, last winning season. I want to say it was probably a Yogi Ferrell year. Um... But when would that have been? Let me I, give you. I, let me give you one hint here. Okay. Yogi Ferrell was on the team. I'll tell he you wasn't. He was. He was. He was. Okay. Um, so, so you're right there. Okay. So I'm bouncing between COVID-shortened season. And the year before that, to 1920 or 1819. Um, Hold on, well, you're I'm gonna way, go. Your way, your pass. Yogi, I'm not gonna tell you when he graduated, but he he was oh. on the team then. Oh, so, wow. Uh, I'll go with early. just a you know, meet in the middle, a 24. 14-2015 season. Very close. It was 15-16. Ah. Um, they were 15-3 that year. They won the Big Ten regular season championship. A couple things I want to note here. 27-8, 15-3 in the Big Ten, and they got a five seed. <laughs> I was wow. looking at this earlier, and I was like, really? Because I remember that Yogi Ferrell team. That, I mean, Yogi Ferrell was legit. Um, and that, was a co- that came a couple years after the Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller, that whole crew that was really good, like top five in the nation good, um, that 2013-14. That was the year before Tom Green got fired, that 15-16 season. Uh, Tom Green got fired in 16-17. So it was kind of the beginning of the end for Indiana basketball. Um, but, yeah, so there you go. All right, Grandma, I'll let you take it away with your trivia question. Okay, so – very well, um, you know, with my Xavier Musketeers kind of being on the bubble and uh, Davidson not doing the best in the A-10 tournament in the last few years, I've been, you know, looking at tickets of Dayton. I'm a little bit worried about, you know, seeing uh, my Wildcats or Musketeers, you know, in a first four game. So I looked, uh, you know, to the archives, and since the first four became a thing in 2010, 2011, okay. um... There have been five teams that have made the Sweet 16 after being in the first four. Ooh. Can you give me as many as possible? Five teams? Cause this, yeah, this is a hard one. Okay. Um, um, if you can give me at least two, you win. But to test your knowledge. Well, one's obvious. It's UCLA. Mm-hmm. From my, that, from there's one. Year. Um... 
Okay. Uh, here's an additional hint. Only one of these teams went further. Then. Uh, like the Sweet Sixteen. Oh, 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 so so it was UCLA. <laughs> yeah, so UCLA is one. All I'm saying, that's right. UCLA was the only team that went further, like every other single one. Oh, got to the... uh, one of the remaining teams. There's four oh, okay, teams. Okay, 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 okay. Um, I, 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 so I want to say Syracuse because I feel like somewhere in there they were one of those teams that did that. I know I know they ran from the 10 line a couple years ago, but I want to say there was another year before that where they were an 11 seed that they ran. So, sure, we'll go Syracuse. Do you have a year? <sighs> just, just just, see the knowledge. You're right. 14-15. Uh, no. There was a 2014 team that made the Sweet 16 after being in Dayton. But okay. the 2018 Syracuse team no, was, was an 11 seed. Okay. Uh, first four team. I kind of re- remember that. Okay. Um, let's see if I can name any others. Uh, 2014. Oof. Doing good then. Um, gosh, I don't know. No, because no, because I thought Michigan State was gonna do it last year, and <laughs> they lost to the eventual. Um, national semifinalists in UCLA. Um, gosh, was you say it came in thing in twenty ten twenty eleven? Mm-hmm. Was VCU in that first four? You're right. You're right. Dang! Let's go. I knew they were an 11 seed. I couldn't remember if they were in the first four or not. Okay, so VCU, that's three. 13, 14. Man, that's kind of throwing me for a loop here. Um, who would have been around that time? That was Oh, that was the year that – that was the freaking um, – that was the Baylor-Georgia State year. Um Was Stephen F. Austin one of those teams at any point? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm done then. I'm done. That's that's my – Okay. I, I was going to go until I got one wrong. Give me those other two. So in the 2013-2014 season, um, the Jordan McRae, Josh Richardson, uh, Tennessee Volunteers. Oh, okay. I know yeah, I never on that. Which also – here's another name. Uh, A.J. Davis, that ring a bell? A little bit, yeah. AJ Davis was the transfer that went to UCF. Um, you know that you know eventually played like that Zion R J Barrett team. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a stud okay. at UCF. Uh, he was Love a freshman it. on that team. And the other team, after being a first four team that went far to the Sweet Sixteen, was President Hanch's previous school. Oh, the Salix Floors. I yeah I never would have gotten that but the only LaSalle memory I have in the NCAA tournament is when they when they beat my arch nemesis Kansas State Wildcats in the first round here in Kansas City um, that was pretty comical as a KU fan but um but yeah alrighty moving 
swiftly onward. Very good trivia question. Thank you, Graham. That was that was fun. Um, good little good little pull at the brain here at 11:45 on Tuesday night. Ugh, I am ready to go to bed. All right, let's get to um, let's get to some picks, shall we? Let's look at tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Let's let's kick it off early. 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. Syracuse, Florida State. We're, we've been talking about them all night. Why not? Uh, Seminoles, one point favorites. Who do you think? Uh, I think Syracuse comes out on top. Uh, <laughs> I I hate it, and I hate it, and I hate it even more when I think about it. But I think that Syracuse is going to win, and they're going to win a few more after this. Uh, I have them winning by uh, two points. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Syracuse by eight. <laughs> Look, I I think they're going to comfortably win this game. Um. Alrighty, later on in the evening, um, we got we got to go with the title game, um, with the Patriot League title game. Colgate minus six and a half against Navy. Do you think the uh, do the midshipmen have a chance, or is it is it going to be is Colgate going to continue their dominance? I think that this is going to be one of those games that we're going to be texting each other about tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> this gonna, over under does not do this game justice. I think that this game will be um, in the sixties and seventies. And they're on. I, I see an overtime Colgate win uh, right. by three or four. So under under the spread, um, I agree with you. I think Navy's going to come out with some fire. Um, I do think Colgate ends up winning, though. Um, and I actually think they end up covering. I think they'll win by nine or ten um, late. I do, I do think <coughs> they'll be closer, though, um, throughout the game. And then the last one to cap us off here on the evening, um, give me your thoughts on Georgetown Seton Hall. I know Georgetown hasn't won a game in the conference, and I know that, yeah, whatever, they did it last year. They're not going to do it again this year. But they've taken some teams to the edge, man, and I don't know. Seton Hall is, I would say they're comfortably in the field, but you suffer this loss early, and things could get dicey for the Pirates. Hall is favored by 10 at MSG, the nightcap tomorrow night, 8.30 Central, 9.30 Eastern. What do you think? Does the six and fourteen Georgetown team stand a chance to get to even sneak under that line? What What are you saying, Graham? Uh, I have Seton Hall winning and comfortably. I think that they'll cover. Um, the reason being, I like that you know Georgetown's been attempting to piece it together, but as you know from that Xavier game, they got a little banged up. Um, suffered a few injuries across the boards, namely in uh, Damon Harris. Um, he's really there. I think feel like come tournament time they'll be dependent on them. I, I wouldn't be completely surprised if Georgetown was able to pull it off, but I think uh, deep down this would be a big Seton Hall win. I think if you look at Seton Hall's schedule, they had a terrible hiccup at home versus St. John's and were unable to defend home court against Marquette. Um, you know, then they took you know, that road trip to Villanova and UConn where they were lost by a margin of 11 combined, and then they've just been dominant. Um, you know, two weeks ago, you know, just, you know, beat Georgetown. They went on the road to Creighton. They went on the road to Xavier. They defend home court against DePaul and Butler. I think that this uh, Seton Hall team is ready. Um, also notable, and I wish more people talked about it, um, Bryce Aiken, their senior guard, is Har- 25 years old. 25 years old. Yeah, Harvard transfer. Yeah, uh, only thing that I feel like Seton Hall might get in the way of um, this game for Seton Hall is if Bryce Aiken has to pick up his kids from grade school at halftime 
Um, I see this as a huge Seton Hall game. Alrighty, well, my uh, right AirPod just died, which means my left one left one is following quickly, so let's finish this up before we have any issues with the audio. Um, Musky Minute, Graham, give me your takes. You know where I'm at. I think to feel comfortable going into Sunday, we got to go win two games um, this week against, uh, you know, we got to go beat Butler tomorrow, obviously, and then Providence on Thursday. To be comfortable, I think we could still get in if we beat Butler um, Wednesday and then lose to Providence on Thursday. But, Graham, go ahead and take it away. What do you think? Um, I won't be able to breathe if we lose to Butler. Um, I'll be able to have deep breaths if we beat them. But, um, you know, if we lose to Providence, um, I mean, if we win at Providence, you know, I'll be able to put my feet up. I think that this Butler game is shaping up to be a season-defining game for the Xavier Musketeers after that huge Georgetown win. Um, everyone got involved. Everyone played a part in that game, you know, from you know the coaching staff to the seniors to the walk-ons to the managers. Everyone had a great day. That gave us a much-needed momentum views going in to this um, very, very tough uh, Big East tournament that's coming up. I trust Xavier's chances. I think that this Butler team has given us um, very little resistance. I hope I don't eat my words, but the Adam Kunkel game in Hinkle, completely dominant performance from the Xavier Musketeers. And then at home in Cintas, that was Xavier's game. I think we tried to lose towards the end. The scoreboard does not do it, it justice. Was, we, were, that was, we were up 12 with a minute to go. I remember turning to my uh, you know, compadre Ryan Doyle standing next to me and saying, hey, you know, that, that 11 and a half line's looking pretty good right now. Um, and then all of a sudden we won by two. So, yeah, I, we tried to lose that game, but I think that you know Butler is a respectable team with a lot of great players, top to bottom. But this is Xavier's game to lose. I think that they'll take advantage of this game, get a huge win, and it's hard to beat the same team three times. Uh, Providence will have their work cut out um, once the Xavier Musketeers hopefully see them uh, on Thursday. So I have uh, Xavier winning. I think we'll be in the tournament once we do that. Um, and then, you know, get out of that 11 seed crap if you beat Providence. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think I think you're completely avoiding the first four if you win both games um, and you're comfortably in. Obviously, just with the one win, I think you're in, but probably looking at a Dayton trip, a um, little bus ride just about 45 minutes north. Um, and then also, obviously, if you lose, I would almost pretty comfortably say you're out of the tournament. Um, while I do want to remind the Xavier fan base as a whole, the, um, the committee does look at the whole body of work. Games are not weighted per time of the year, even though it looks bad, it's still the whole body of work. Um, but even though I, I still do think that Butler loss would, would put a, put the nail in the coffin on the Xavier Musketeers season. Um, I would say too, um, worth noting, this is the exact same situation that Xavier was in last year. First round, Madison Square Garden, Big East Tournament, playing Butler, same exact team. Same right. exact team on both sides. Everyone came back. I mean, this is, the, this is the same exact thing. And Butler upset Xavier, won that game. Xavier did not make the NCAA Tournament last year, obviously. Um, obviously, nor did Butler. Um, but I would say that, yeah, definitely worth noting that this is the, this is the same thing that happened last year. Xavier got upset. Let's see if they can change that change that culture around and bring a little revenge out of this game and, and see a little fire come out of these guys. 
Alrighty, well I think that'll wrap us up here. Um, under ninety, not not too bad on <laughs> on the pod length, <laughs> but definitely one of our longer episodes. Um, we will have exclusive coverage uh, coming Sunday, um, either before or after, or maybe both, um, on the uh, on the bracket, of course, on Sunday. Um, and then we will try and break down uh, tournament games by round, I think, is our goal. So kind of record after every round, talk through a couple things, do projections. Um, we'll be starting a bracket group. I'm going to start a bracket group on ESPN uh, Tournament Challenge, so you all can join if you'd like, all of our listeners on the Norwood Noise back bracket group. Um, be kind of a fun way to connect everybody and get things started there, as obviously it is March and it is the uh, – best time of the year here and, and best couple of weeks coming up here so i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to doing it with you graham um any, any final thoughts as we sign off here uh no just make sure you know you get your tournament challenge apps downloaded march madness live um it's the most wonderful time of the year for college basketball fans i know evan and i are looking forward to it um we're committed you know to making sure that you are ready fill out your brackets um you know, take down all your friends in these tournament challenges. I uh, wanted to let you know that we plan after we come uh, back to Xavier uh, this Sunday after spring break. You know, get you a quick little selection Sunday recap, a little preview, um, and make sure that you're ready for the upcoming week. So I hope everyone has a um, great day. Uh, if you listen to this before the Xavier game, uh, send positive vibes and the energy. Uh, you know, our boys will need it. Um, and if we lose, uh, have hope. You know, the game isn't over, the season isn't over until Selection Sunday and uh, thereafter. So I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, good luck to our Xavier Musketeers, and we'll catch you guys later.